Great to see all of you on this beautiful Christmas Eve, a night that we celebrate God's greatest illustrated sermon. And we, we lean up close to the manger and we lean in. We ponder at its meaning that God should come from heaven down. It was an absolute necessity for his advent. In fact, it was rather abhorrent, if you will, the necessity for his advent. If the world had been any less cursed, he never would have come. If our hearts had been any less darkened, there would have been no necessity for him to come from heaven down while angels sang happy birthday and shepherds showed up to see if it was true. Born in a barn, because after all, that's where a lamb should be born. It wasn't pretty. Uh, there was no tinsel. <laughs> uh, there were no candle lights. He appeared to shepherds. He did not appear to politicians, nor to Hollywood types. He did not appear to the wealthy. In fact, they weren't even really good shepherds, if you think about it. They were working third shift. They might have been getting time and a half, but they were, they were not the best of the crop watching over the flock. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. But there he came. Conceived of a virgin by the power of the Holy Spirit, that a great necessity as well. Because you see, sin had invaded the bloodstream of every human person. An acute knowledge and awareness of everything that lay just beyond man's sin-infected reach became clear in Genesis chapter three. Now there are all kinds of preachers, you understand, but I've got the microphone right now and I still believe in the power of the blood. I believe there's power. Like, I believe there's sin eradicating power. There's, I believe that. I believe there's healing power 
in the blood of Jesus Christ. I believe that when he was suspended between heaven and earth, his blessed side pierced by the sharp point of a Roman centurion spear. Your Bible said forthwith came blood and water, some to the forward part, some to the hinder part. Blood ran freely down that naked side and dripped off his toes into bloody pools upon the earth. There was an abhorrent necessity of the advent of Jesus Christ. I, I don't want us to forget that. If we could just pause just for a moment tonight and realize there was a great necessity for him to come. Now, modern theology and modernist preachers and the emerging church all around us, so-called church, I just call them the emerging people. This new brand of Christianity whose leaders say things like, I am a liberal in theology. Therefore, I do not believe in the virgin birth nor in the old-fashioned doctrine of substitutionary atonement. Nor said he, do I know any intelligent. They always want to get you with an air of intellectual superiority. I've met my share of educated idiots. And I'm, I've seen some real folk smart, some real smart folk who've never been to college and university and don't have enough degrees after their name to look like alphabet soup. Dr. So-and-so and Sister Ye-Ye don't always have it figured out. I need to shout it tonight. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I need somebody that's been washed. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. If you have a bloodless gospel, you have no gospel at all. You have dead religion. But tonight I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the blood. I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood for me. Mm. You, you may be seated. I, I didn't mean to get you all stirred up. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 16. It's very, very simple. God commanded the man, our pristine parents, Adam, Eve. God commanded the man saying of every tree of the garden, you may freely eat. Now watch this. But of the tree in the midst of the garden, thou shalt not eat for or because in the hour that you eat thereof, you will surely die. Wow. So like God creates this garden, the beautiful 
vast garden of Eden, the happy laughing splashing river of life, all of the animal kingdom walking in kindness one toward the other. But you know the story right there in the middle of paradise, Adam sided with God's great arch enemy. The boldest rebellion in the human family was begun. And still yet, God came down, way down, into the midst of all that retrieval where man had wound his moral clock backwards. The image of God had been dashed to pieces. Death had come and turned blue the lips of the children of men. But right there, a chapter later in Genesis chapter 3, and verse 15, God gave us a propitiation. That's a great big edumacated word. It just means a price paid. He made us a promise. That someday, not that day, but someday a price would be paid. Not a price of silver and gold, but a price of the precious Blood. Would everybody just say precious blood? It's not ordinary blood. It's not blood from which you should turn away in horror. It's sinless blood. It's spotless blood. When you see blood spilled from a human person, you want to turn away. All of our nurses and doctors practicing who are here tonight would say one of the hardest things for them to overcome was the sight of human blood. Why? Because your Bible teaches us that the life is in the blood. So when we see blood spilled, we know life is being poured out. Mm because the life is in the blood. So we turn away, but I must remind you that's tainted blood, that's sin-cursed blood. When you see blood running down that riven side, don't ever turn away. Look as deeply into its wonder as you possibly can, for there, he washed your sins away in mine. There he fought, there he suffered, there he bled, there he died. Spilling sinless blood so that we could be cleansed. <laughs> well, I need you to understand that the enemy of your soul will do everything and anything that you can to cross that bloodline. But if I take you back in your Bible, to the patriarch Noah. Now there's Noah. Never had rain before. God watered the earth in the mist and in the dew. Rain had never fallen from the sky. A young lady said to me the other day, she said, I saw, fall, I saw snow fall from the sky for the first time in my life. And I thought, what that, must that have been like? And I thought, what must it have been like for Noah and the whole world when rain started falling out of heaven for the first time? But God had forewarned him. God had prepared a way. You see, God is a loving God. 
When God placed Adam and Eve in that garden, he said to them, eat of any tree you want, but that one tree, now don't touch it. In the hour that you do, you'll die. Do you know what that means? They were innocent. Say the word innocent. I'll only be three more minutes. Say the word innocent. That means guiltless. It means blameless. Adam and Eve, our pristine parents, were guiltless. They were blameless. But they also did not operate in anything other than delegated authority. That's the only authority they had. If you're going to preach tonight, Elder, this will make a good sermon for you. Are you going to preach tonight? Monday night. Well, this will be a good one. So there they are with only one watch me law. There's no speed limit. There are no taxes to be paid. They couldn't steal from anyone because they ain't nobody to steal from. You with me? Only one, one law. The modern church has stripped itself of the power and the protection and the provision that are available to every one of us through the law. See, you don't know how to respond. Now, if I said through grace, you'd all shout. But God's chariot has two wheels, grace and government, law and grace. And they run the same chariot. So there is innocence. They're innocent. They've, they're as innocent as a newborn child. They are innocent. Nothing can be held to their blame. Unless, watch me, they break the law. There was only one. Just one. Innocence is the untried possibility of holiness. I know you've got to get your presence. Just hold on. Innocence is the untried possibility of holiness. Holiness is power. Holiness is not about your sleeves. And holiness is power. God is absolutely powerful because God is absolutely holy. He is pure. He is unpolluted. He is not diluted. He is the only one, only one true and living God. So because there is no other, he cannot be. So, so, so innocence is the untried possibility of holiness or power. Listen to me. Success in the kingdom of God is not dependent on destiny. I'm so weary with so many emerging preachers and churches and believers talking about their destiny. Your destiny is not some thought, some philosophy floating around in wisps of nothingness. Your future in the kingdom of God has nothing to do with destiny. 
your future and success and blessing in the kingdom of God has nothing to do with your destiny and everything to do with your decision. God so values freedom that he gives you the opportunity to choose. In fact, it was God who originated the concept of choice. When he put that tree in that garden and said to them, you can have blessing or cursing, you choose. And so they chose. Two more things. Number one, there cannot be law, there, there cannot be freedom apart from law. Whew, I should have saved this for later. You ought to teach this to your children. Freedom is not lawlessness. Freedom is produced by obedience to laws or standards. God said, that is, my law is don't touch it. And for billions of years, they did not touch it, but the moment they did, they died. Wow. And they were so full of God's power because they had made so many right choices. What do you mean? Every day they walk past that tree. Talk to the hand tree. Not touching that tree. God said, don't touch it. We don't know what death is, but must not be good. Don't touch it. Made the decision. Became more like God. Be you holy as I am holy. Make the right choice. Become more powerful as God is. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. Woo! Good God Almighty. I told him not to let me up here. I, I told him to have the elders serve communion. But we're not going to do anything religiously in this church. This is not supposed to be entered into unadvisedly. I receive Holy Communion every single day of my life. It's the very first thing I do. Commune with God at his table. I believe scriptures that say that Christ is in me and I am in him as he is in the Father and the Father is in him. So I eat his flesh and I drink his blood. This is not religion. It's tainted by religion. It loses its power by religion and tradition. So are you with me? So then innocence is the untried possibility of holiness, which is come upon by making a choice. So God places the tree there and says, don't touch it and you're choosing life. If you touch it, you're choosing death. But even when they sinned, even, oh, there's hope for you. Shove your neighbor and just say, there's hope for you. Just tell him he's going to quit just in a second. Just, there's hope for you. There's hope for you. Because even 
when they disobeyed. What's the first thing they did? They hid themselves. And what's the second thing they did? They killed animals. They spilled blood. There's my hunting buddy down there. There he is. They spilled blood and they skinned those animals and they made clothing for themselves. Do you know why? Because for the first time, shame entered. My God. The footsteps of their father in the garden that caused their hearts to leap with joy and for them to run through that beautiful, pristine garden, through the streams and over the hills to get to him, now made them run the other direction and cower in fear. Why? They were guilty. They were guilty. They made the wrong choice. And it took the shedding of blood to fix them. Noah prepared a boat for the saving of his house because God told him it was going to rain, there was coming a flood, build something called an ark. He's like, right, what an ark is. I don't know, build it 50 cubits by 120 cubits, okay, what's a cubit? He doesn't know. By faith, he built that boat, watch this, and finally, when God had destroyed it all because the only intention of man's heart was continually evil, God destroyed the whole thing and he's going to start over. So Noah and his family come down the big plank behind the zebras and the donkeys and whatever else was there. And the first thing that Noah did was build an altar Watch and sacrifice animals by the shedding of their blood. God therefore said, I will no longer, I will no longer ever again destroy the earth. Your Bible may say God repented or it repented him. It actually means that he did not change his mind. He wasn't upset with what he had done. But if you will, in the grotesque use of the word, God got a revelation. When he saw Noah shed that blood, God knew that he, God, must never cross over it. Noah set a bloodline that God to this day has never crossed. And if God won't cross the bloodline of an animal, Satan cannot cross the bloodline of the cross of Jesus Christ to get to you. And tonight, as we receive the blood, we're going to send him back.
attacking back on his side of the line because the only access he has to you is access you've granted him by your own disobedience. Oh, thank you. Just give God a hand. I, I had to get that off my heart. I, I can't. I, some of you are receiving Holy Communion with us for the first time. And I, I want you to understand, we don't believe in transubstantiation. We don't believe that this juice and that, and by the way, maybe after the first of the year, I'm going to talk to you about alcohol so you'll understand it. I don't want you to be confused, that's all. Just I don't want you to be confused. But when we receive this fruit of the vine, and when we receive this bread, they represent to us the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. Now there are those who teach a doctrine called transubstantiation. It, it means that these elements actually become the actual flesh and blood of Jesus Christ. And for those that teach that or believe that, I, I don't understand it because they have altar boys that get drunk on what they use. And I don't think God makes us drunk that way. I think he makes us drunk on his spirit, not some other spirit. But anyway, I just want you to know that this is not to be trifled with. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. If you have your Bible or your phone. For I have received of the Lord that which also I have delivered unto you. You with me? Maybe you could put it up there and we could see it. Do you have it? You don't have it. Hmm. I have it. For I have received of the Lord that which also I have delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, in the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. What did he do? I'll give you another sermon. Number one, he took it. Just like he took you. You say, I found the Lord. You didn't know where to look. He found you. He took you. If you're glad that he took you, just wave your hand. When you were vile and empty and poor and without God and undone in the world, without Christ or his son, he took you just like he took Moses. Ah. I won't go into that one. He took bread and watch, he gave thanks and then he blessed it. God will always bless you after he takes you. When you become holy, his, holy, his, he will bless you. He will take you and he will bless you. Are you with me? But hold on, the blessing is to build you up for step number three. Because then the Bible said he broke it. He'll also break you too. But there's purpose in the breaking. Because after he broke it, your Bible says he gave it. Hallelujah. God took his only begotten son and he gave him to you and me. Oh my Jesus. And then he broke him on that rugged, cruel, angry, mean, biting beam. He broke him in the garden where he prayed, not my will, but thy will be done. Why did he break him? So that he could give him. 
on a whole new level to you and to me. Say, I'm glad God took me. I'm glad that he blessed me. And I'm even glad for the breaking that I may be going through right now because I know he's going to put me back together so he can give me on a whole new level. Do you think I pray for people with cancer the same way that I pray for them now, the same way that I did four years ago? Oh, no, no, no. Do you think that I pray for folks who are attacked with autism spectrum disorders the same way I did before my son was diagnosed with it? Oh, no, no. Those were some breakings that God brings forth new oil and new anointing. Some folks that haven't seen me for a while, all through the decades, they haven't seen me for a while and they see me and I always ask them, what, what is different about me? Because they're the ones that can tell me. Because when you're around me all the time, you can't see the change. That's the reason don't listen to your family and folks like that tell you who you are and what you are. They don't know, they're too close. But ask somebody who hadn't been around you for a while. And if they say, no, you seem the same to me, you know something's wrong. But oh, when they say, there's something different about you, I can't really put my hand on it. <laughs> you know God's at work. Hallelujah. Well, thank God for the blood. I'm about to go Pentecostal up in here. Thank God for the blood. Thank God for the blood. Thank you for your broken body. Thank you that healing is the children's bread. I thank you that as we receive your body and blood tonight, Lord, these elements, these emblems, these representations of the price you paid for us, we receive into our entire being, spirit, soul, body, all that pertains to life and godliness. We examine ourselves now, Lord, for if any man would eat this bread and drink this cup, let him examine himself. Now look over at your neighbor right quick and say, uh, I'm not here to examine you. We're supposed to examine ourselves and we're not supposed to examine ourselves by somebody else's opinion of us. We're supposed to look into the mirror of the Word of God. And when we see ourselves there through the Word, then He said, go ahead and eat that bread. Go ahead and drink that cup because now you're not unworthy. You've examined yourself by that Word. And if you find something in that Word that your life doesn't line up with, you just repent of it and say, Lord, I repent right now. I forgive those. Oh, Jesus. Everybody just say, I forgive everybody that's ever harmed me, spoken a word to me, unkindly, stolen from me. Lord, I forgive. I want my faith to work. And when I stand praying, Lord, I forgive. Because you've forgiven me, I forgive everyone else. Oh, hallelujah. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, I want to invite you to tell someone in your life about the podcast. Hope you'll do it today. Head on over to iTunes and leave a review. Share it on your social networks for me. Really helps me get the word out. 
I'd love for you to connect with me on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. No easier way for me to minister to you every day and throughout the day and for us to join together in faith as God moves in and through your life. You can find links to all my pages at rodparsley.com. God bless you now, and I hope you'll listen again soon.